0: Well, Gavin, we don't use that kind of language on this show. And if I ever hear feckless again, somebody's getting fired. The following podcast contains... Now, I had heard that word at least ten times a day from my old man. My father worked in profanity
1: the way other artists might work in oils or clay. It was his true medium, a master.
0: Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you gave a hit show to Alex Jones in a dress and didn't think she was going to say something racist, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host Dave Bledsoe and this is a Saturday, June 2nd, 2018, your tweets should go away, Roseanne, Yay! edition of the show, where we wonder why people are shocked when horrible people say horrible things. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by ABC's new show, The David Duke Show. Join reformed KKK Grand Wizard David Duke as he struggles to adapt to modern living. Laugh at his shocking displays of ignorance as he refers to persons of color in a humanizing fashion. Gasp as he embraces terrifying conspiracy theories to insinuate victims of tragedies are not real. Push down your gag reflex as he tells jokes that would have been unacceptable in 1980 and then only calls it being politically incorrect. Join David Duke and his well-meaning family of as who pretend David's file racism is really economic anxiety in order to connect with the worst people in America. The David Duke Show premiering September 18th at 8 and canceled Wednesday, September 19th at midnight Pacific. Only on HBO.
1: Dan, you're snoring. Wake up.
0: What time is it? Did I miss dinner?
1: It's 11 o'clock. We slept from Wheel to Kimmel.
0: We missed all the shows about black and Asian families.
1: They're just like us. There, now you're all caught up.
0: I had a boss a few years ago who was an unrepentant asshole. He insulted his employees in front of our clients, demeaned the clients behind their back, and was good for three to four racist and or misogynist statements a day. He was not, to put too fine a point on it,
1: Scumbag, fuck! face dickhead asshole
0: yet since his his job was traditionally associated with helping and being a good person people Even people who knew him bent over backwards to find ways to excuse his behavior. I heard every conceivable explanation. Oh, he's under a lot of stress. Or, oh, he just doesn't know how to interact with people since our job was primarily working with animals. And then they went all the way to saying that he was kind of on the spectrum. But do you know what spectrum he was really on? You're the big evil prick. I am a big evil prick. My boss, let's call him John because John is a fairly generic name and it actually is the prick's name, was not unaware of his behavior. I know he wasn't because I told him at least once a week that he couldn't treat people the way he was treating them and he certainly couldn't say those kinds of things in front of me. John's reaction to my not unsubtle reminders on appropriate office decorum was... Well, what are you going to do about it? He was the boss and if I didn't like it, I could find another job. And he knew as well as I did... That I needed this job and finding another one that paid what this one paid was not going to be easy because John paid people to tolerate his shit. I was making well above market for my position because one, I was good at what I did, and two, I would put up with his shit for my sins. And I did that until one day I couldn't take it anymore and decided it would be both worth losing my job and going to jail to punch him right in the fucking mouth. I flew up out of a chair in front of a room full of clients whom he was busy insulting me. Had he not scurried from the room, we both would have regretted what came next. All the clients who knew what kind of asshole that all he was, all they had to say is, wow, We're surprised it actually took you that long. You must have the patience of a saint. My point is that John was an evil, racist, misogynist, arrogant prick, and I knew he was. I made the choice to stay because the money was good until the day I couldn't take it anymore. This is not unlike what ABC Television Network, who has made a ton of money by bringing back 80 sitcom shows, whose lead is an evil, racist, arrogant prick, who says horrible things that everyone knew about. (laughs) Then, last Tuesday, she finally said something that made them come up out of their chair as Roseanne scurried from the room one step ahead of a metaphorical punch in the fucking mouth. Tonight, a stunningly swift and dramatic end to Roseanne Barr's TV show.
1: Yeah, it's against the law because your generation made everything so PC. ABC canceling the hit revival after Barr tweeted this about former President Obama's advisor Valerie Jarrett. Muslim Brotherhood and Planet of the Apes had a baby equals VJ. What?
0: No, not Roseanne. She seems so pleasant and normal to me. Who could have possibly seen that coming? It's not like she hasn't spent years tweeting horrible things about minorities and furthering batshit conspiracy theories coming from the fart blocker corners of the Internet. This is from an article this week in Vox quote This was not the first offense for Barr on Twitter or in real life Over the years her language and ideas have weaved through all kinds of dark and bizarre territory It's not exactly consistent either it swings across the political spectrum unified only by its extremity She promoted Pizzagate believes 911 was 911 uh, was an inside job she flags vaccine c- conspiracy theories and she called Israel a Nazi state in 2009 and promoted a Holocaust denied musician in 2013 then she turned around and became a mass supporter of israel unquote in 2012 in a chilling precursor to to the future she ran for president but get this she ran under the green party That's like a bunch of commies she finished sixth in the balloting for the nomination now this is the green party so that's probably like 20 or 30 people but still it was a real thing but by 2016 roseanne experienced a change of heart.
1: It is more likely that my client experienced a psychotic break
0: and went off the rails to the right. She went full Trump in a big way. And when one goes full Trump in a big way, she comes with all the baggage that one takes on the Trump train. And boy, is her steamer trunk just full. On Tuesday, before her blatantly racist tweet against Valerie Jarrett, she engaged in some overtly anti-Semitic tweets linking for some reason Chelsea Clinton and George Soros and then went on to repeat an idiotic lie about Soros being a Nazi even though he was 13 and very, very Jewish. But how does that even... It doesn't. But that doesn't stop the right from propagating that bullshit all over the internet. You wouldn't think I needed to explain the whole Jew-Nazi thing seven decades after World War II. Yet here I am trying to explain to my mom that the Nazis did not take in Jews because someday in the future they might be very rich and useful to later Nazis and the GOP. Also, remember this, Roseanne is Jewish, so for fuck's sake she's being anti-Semitic against herself. She called the Parkland kids crisis actors, she promoted the Pizzagate theory about a child sex ring in a DC pizza joint, that was apparently happening in a basement that they don't have and you might remember the little rumor that little rumor resulted in some dipshit driving into dc with a gun to rescue kids and shooting off around when he discovered aliens hadn't taken the basement or something welcome to the inside of my mind sheeple bar played around with peddling the seth rich rumors about a dc a dnc staffer murdered and was alleged to be connected to hillary clinton And she referred to then-National Security Advisor Susan Rice as a man with, quote, swinging ape balls, unquote. So, you see, she's danced the ape tune before with black women. And finally, she's been hitting the QAnon rumors super hard. What are they? You know, pod friends, there are some things that are too stupid even for me to make fun of them. And this is one. To their credit, ABC didn't waste any time to do the right thing. They jumped up and punched the show in the mouth and canceled it on the spot. But they also knew everything I've listed above all of that bad behavior before they rebooted the show in the first place. She seems nice. So before we start patting Disney and ABC on the back, let's remember they bought their tickets, they knew what they were getting into, and now they've crashed. Praising ABC for canceling Roseanne is like praising someone who walked their dog into your yard, encouraged their dog to take a huge shit, and only cleaned up the mess because you happened to walk out your door mid-dog dump. Thank you, neighbor, for cleaning up a pile of totally avoidable shit. Why are we even talking about Roseanne? Why is she back 20 years after her hit show went off the air with a really fucked up final season replete with watery winds and mysterious Dan deaths? Because Sarah Gilbert, whom I, I remember having a crush on in the 80s, until I then remembered that she was like 13 when the show come out, and now I don't. So uh, maybe that, uh, that crush thing was in the 90s. I, I don't know. I feel really awkward. Well, let's just pretend that never happened. Anyway, Sarah did a lot of work getting the cast back together and coming up with the idea to see the beloved Connor family in 2017. And get this... Roseanne and Dan would be Trump supporters. (laughs) The idea, I guess, was to use the show to bridge the gulf between us out-of-touch coastal elites and the forgotten everyman of middle America. This was in 2016 before we learned the forgotten everyman of middle America wasn't forgotten. And the people that voted for the Tangerine Tumor were actually just angry white people who don't care much for minorities.
1: God, I love irony.
0: Back in 88, when Roseanne first dropped on the airwaves, TV families didn't look much like the American family, or at least that's how we're told to remember it, because looking at the top shows of that year, I see The Cosby Show, which, despite the star being a degenerate rapist, he was convicted, I don't have to say alleged anymore. It showed a wholesome black family who were solidly middle class. There was Dear John starring Judd Hirsch as a newly divorced man trying to get his life back together. Growing Pains was a generic middle class family who lived in a generic town in a generic part of the country. The Hogan family had a frequently absent father because of work and the family trying to keep things together normal while he's gone. And the fucking Wonder Years was one of the most happily happily wholesome family shows ever ever on TV TV these shows had their problems and they probably weren't about the working class per se but you can't say they didn't represent the American family in the mid-1980s what Roseanne allegedly allegedly did was show an unrepentant working-class American I guess that's the case. I don't know. I'm not sure what we had to be repented about, nor do I recall a lot of people being embarrassed by being working class. Unlike today, when every trailer dweller is somehow convinced that they are owed their own TV show so they could be the next celebrity fuckwad millionaire. But still, she was revered for this show. Willa Paskin wrote an article in Slate last March saying, quote, Roseanne Connor was an overwhelmed working mother who called attention to all the housework she was a woman was expected to do while her husband didn't. She was fat and desired, unruly and opinionated, difficult, lovable, loved. Roseanne's feminism bled into her larger progressive politics. She was tolerant, pro-choice, friends with gay people, unbigoted. The show, which could be much darker than most sitcoms, took on harassment and domestic abuse. So I see why people remember Roseanne being this forward-thinking, feminist, progressive show that it probably was. I didn't much care for Roseanne back then because, honestly, I was none of those things.
1: Oh, no, no, no. You're a male chauvinist, sexist
0: pig butters. But I also remember very well that for all Roseanne Connor was these things, the put-upon woman struggling to get by, Roseanne Barr was becoming incredibly rich and powerful, which, good for her. I mean, she earned it. And she was also becoming increasingly strange and not a little crazy. There was, of course, the national anthem debacle where she shrieked through the song at opening a baseball game, which made people very angry at the time, but seems just fine to conservatives worried about all this Black Panther kneeling these days. The stories I recall hearing were of Roseanne, who had now achieved single name status, were was of abusive bosses prone to screaming, hiring the guy she was fucking to write for the show and generally going full prima donna on the set and i spent a lot of time researching for old stories to corroborate my recollections but they're hard to come by with reliable sources what i do know is she's written three largely contradictory memoirs admitting to mental illness and certainly demonstrated over the years enough behavior to make me believe the rumors without stating emphatically that they're true When the show hit the big time and Barr began to get serious money, Roseanne began cutting people out of her life from before her Hollywood days. Her sister Geraldine sued her for $70 for a breach of contract suit that was thrown out. Roseanne had plastic surgery, dramatically changing her looks to appear more Hollywood. She came out with allegations of sexual abuse against her parents, then spousal abuse against Tom Ardle, along with allegations of serious substance abuse. And finally, she came forward saying that she suffered from disassociative identity disorder also known as multiple personality disorder. Because, okay, yeah, sure, whatever, I guess she's got that. Still, a lot of people who suddenly found themselves very rich and very influential don't have mental disorders, and they act the exact same way Roseanne did when she, when the show went huge. A lot of them have vultures descend from, from the past, descend in the form of their family, and a lot develop a drug habit. So I have no idea where the real Roseanne Barr and Roseanne Connor truly start to diverge. But I suspect it was in the last season of the original run when the Connors win the lottery and have all kinds of crazy adventures. From an article in The Independent from 1997, quote: It seems Roseanne Barr now has, has an almost a billion dollars and is tired of realism and has turned to self-indulgent instead. She's spending this season playing a dress-up, glamorizing her character, upping Roseanne Connor's income and profile, pushing her closer to center stage. In short, she's forcing the TV character of Roseanne, to metamorphize to a close approximation of the real Roseanne. With character Roseanne looking set to divorce Dan Connor, we can all look forward to an episode where Mrs. Connor marries her new chauffeur in a champagne ceremony at the New York Plaza, only to reveal later that her second husband is a cross-dressing lesbian. Ruts Wong with that is not the sexual politics, but the spectacle of a Hollywood star turned monomaniac, abusing a much-abusing a much-loved national treasure, her show, just because she can. It's Roseanne as the kid who builds big sandcastles so that she can knock them down, unquote. Now, of course, we know that all of that was nothing more than a dream that Roseanne wrote down on her little typewriter in the basement because Dan died of a heart attack. No one ever won the lottery and nothing that happened the entire season before that was even true. The show went full saying elsewhere and you never go full saying elsewhere unless You're actually writing the show, saying elsewhere. Do you want to know what I think is the real truth about Roseanne, both the show and the person? poor white trash who suddenly hits the lottery. If there's the tiniest bit of asshole in them before they are rich, you can be sure it will explode into full-blown asshole when fertilized by cash. The Roseanne that created a darkly funny and sometimes painfully real show about the hardships of a working-class family became completely overshadowed by its star, suddenly becoming very rich and powerful overnight and forgetting all about the reality of those struggles. It's an old story and one that repeats with astonishing frequency. So does Roseanne have a mental condition that makes her racist? No. I mean, she may very well be full-on cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I have no idea. But there are plenty of people in the world that have mental disorder that are not conspiratorial bigots. That's who Roseanne is. She knows it. We know it. NBC knows it. They took a chance that she could keep her opinions to herself in exchange for a lot of money. She couldn't, so she lost her job. And also, she lost the residuals from her reruns because Hulu pulled those. Being racist, uh, racist shit has a price it drives me a little crazy that hollywood and the media keep going around lifting up rocks looking for this magical trump supporter that doesn't harbor racist sentiments the pure form of the white working class man and woman who voted for trump because they're worried about their job at the factory and honestly believe that he is the man to bring those jobs back the platonic ideal of a trump supporter who bears no ill will to the immigrant or the minority who only wants to clean up the drugs in their town and doesn't believe the muslims are secretly plotting to implement sharia law in their backyard or that mexicans are just decent hard working folks looking to get a brand new start in america just as their only their own family did just a generation or two ago if we could just find these people we could convince ourselves that America is doing okay, that we just misunderstood something about several million people who voted for an open and avowed racist who said things worse than Roseanne did all the time, and then went on to back them up with policies just as racist and draconian or worse. We know, we know that if we can just find this mystical creature somewhere, out there come where dreams true. come true but these trump recons don't exist there's no pot of economic anxiety gold at the end of the orange rainbow there's just a basket filled with the pourables. maybe they're not all tweeting hate-filled memes on twitter but they share the same key elements that make them like a reality show dictator authoritarianism magical thinking false disenfranchisement, and racial resentment. An American National Election Study survey conducted in 2017 says, quote, in our models, racial attitudes towards blacks and immigration are the key factors associated with, with, with support for Trump. The way that these variables impact Trump support can be seen in the charts below. Both racial resentment and black influence animosity are significant predictors of Trump support among white respondents, independent of partisanship, ideology, education level, and other factors included in the model. Unquote. We all want to believe the country is better than this. Many of us desperately want to believe the people we love are better than this. The problem is they're not. The problem we have with Trump supporter isn't our differences about economics or background or what God we believe in or whether or not we believe in God or where we live. It's the racism, stupid. And hey, if you on the right want us on the left to stop using racism as a cudgel against you, then stop doing racist shit. But please, Hollywood, keep turning over these rocks looking for your good Trumper. The nation summed it up best when they said, quote, even Hollywood magic can't make sympathetic characters out of such people, although I suspect they will keep trying. The alternative is confronting the fact that the beliefs of a substantial number of Americans are malevolent and dangerous and not mere differences of opinion that can be resolved in a 20 minutes and a hug. I don't have the answers to fix this problem. People smarter than me say we do it with compassion, tolerance, and patience. All I know is that we are increasingly making it brutally clear there is no place in our public space for racism, hate, and intolerance. You can sit at home and stew in the shit of your ignorance and hate, but don't bring it out and fly it like a Confederate flag off the back of the rascal scooter your fat ass uses to drive around the Walmart Supercenter. If the country is breaking up into two groups of people, I just want to be on the one that isn't filled with MAGA hat wearing old people carrying 1950s racial attitudes and tattooed fucking wanna Nazis carrying 1940s racial hate. I no longer feel the need to even pretend these people's views and opinion carry any weight in my life. They are pitiful excuses for human beings and should be marginalized and ostracized until they die off and are written into one of the sadder chapters of American history. Perhaps the title chapter could be the parable of two Rosans. That is it for our show this week. Sorry, we're, we're putting the show out a day late this week because your humble host celebrated his birthday last night instead of recording a show. It's, a, it's my last birthday of my fourth decade, and I, I spent it much the same as I spent the years leading up to it, in a dive bar with a glass of whiskey in one hand trying to explain to someone what a podcast is and why they shouldn't listen to it. If you would like to give your humble host a birthday present, rate and review this show wherever you get your podcast. It helps others understand what this podcast is and why they shouldn't listen to it. Or you could donate to the show at patreon.com slash whatthehellpodcast. You can get some exclusive reasons not to listen to the show if you do. Follow the show on Twitter at the Hell underscore podcast or the show name on Facebook where there will be no ambient induced racism because one, I don't take ambient, and two, I'm not a fucking racist. All the shows are on SoundCloud at the show name and of course at www.whatthehellpodcast.com. For me, birthday boy Dave Bledsoe, producer, don't sing the song. We have to pay the royalties, Gavin, and all the other fictional party guests on the show. We want to say, not quite a year since you went away, Roseanne, yay. But now you're back and you're here to stay, Roseanne, yay. Your tweets should go away, your tweets should go away, Roseanne, yay, yay. We'll see you all next week. I'm sorry I really couldn't stop for on the title this week. Je suis me faire un
1: plus If you made me so sad, oh, sad i